0: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you are just joining us uh, for the first time, you picked a good week to come. We are starting a brand new message series entitled blockbusters. And uh, if you haven't been kind of paying attention to movies lately, in the last couple of years, uh, they've been doing this for a while, but especially the last couple of years, um, Hollywood has started to notice that there is this amazing historical document called the Bible. And in the Bible, there are some incredible stories, stories of drama, Stories of love, stories of action and adventure, and they're beginning to pull a lot of these stories and put it on the main screen. And so what we thought we'd do this month is to begin taking some of these incredible stories and to be able to unpack them here so you get a sneak preview and so today, uh, we're really, really excited. We're going to go through uh, one, of, uh, one of my favorite stories, um, and it really, really talks specifically to leaders. And so uh, here's what I, w- I want to start with. I would tell you the truth in this room is all of us at some point, um, we have joy. All of us at some point, we don't have joy. Why is that the case? Why is it that on Monday I can go ahead and get in my car and I can all of a sudden look out the window and I can see the blue skies and everything's right with the world, my family, my work, everything, and say, oh, it's an amazing day. And then all of a sudden on Thursday I could be driving my car from work and say, things are terrible. I feel awful. The world is ending. It is not gonna get any better. What happens between Monday and Thursday to cause this? Well, we actually see um, a good example in the Bible by God's people. There's a man by the name of Moses, who is a strong leader. And Moses is having to deal with the Israelites. And the Israelites do something that we all do. So here's what I want to do to start off. I want you to, in just a second, I'm going to say on the count of three, I want you to look at one another and I want you to say this phrase, okay? I want you to say, we are grumblers. Count of three. One, two, three. We are grumblers. All right, ladies, Don't say it's about time you admitted it. Don't do that. We're in church. That'd be wrong. But here's the truth. We all grumble. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian in this, isn't isn't it true that he has already fought the good fight? Isn't it true that he has already beat death? Isn't it true that he has already won the victory? That in all cases, we're good. We should have joy when we walk in here. We should be able to raise our hands. We should be able to shout at the top of our lungs and have joy but the truth is we don't do that all the time, do we? In fact, some of you in this room, you come in and right now you're struggling. Why is that? Well, We're going to take a look at a story from the book of Exodus, and we're going to take a look at something that happened because we are not unlike many of the Israelites in biblical history. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 17. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. By the way, the notes are provided in that app. So if you have that app, download that app, you can get the notes. If not, you can follow along on the screen. Buckle up, because here we go. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink. Now, pause. Before I go to the next screen, let me give you some context. God's people, they were in Egypt. In Egypt was a place of slavery. In Egypt, they had no rights. In Egypt, they were beaten. In Egypt, they were subjugated. In Egypt, they screamed and cried for God to deliver them. God shows up, brings Moses into the picture. Moses delivers the Israelites from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And he brings them across the Red Sea. You've seen movies on it. You've seen them cross it. And they all celebrate. God is good. And then God allows them to go into a desert. And all of a sudden, through the desert, they begin to say, well, wait a minute. It's hot. Wait a minute. I'm thirsty. Wait a minute. I don't have food. At least in Egypt, we didn't starve. So we should be better off back in Egypt. Grumble, 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 grumble. And now watch what God does. God shows up. And he says, okay, I've heard it. You're hungry. Do you not trust me? Fine. And so right before this event, here's what God does. They grumble because they're hungry. So God makes it rain manna from the sky. And all of a sudden, all the Israelites had all the food that they could manage. In fact, in the Ark of the Covenant, which for Bible study students, where the stone tablets were placed, even to remember what an incredible sight this was, God's deliverance from hunger, they took some of the manna and they placed it in the Ark of the Covenant. It was that special, that amazing. God is awesome. So we cannot grumble or complain ever again, right? Well, here they are. There's no water. I'm sure that the Israelites aren't going to grumble now. Let's take a look. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Now, if you're like me, when I read this, and by the way, if you haven't read the Bible, you need to read the Bible, it's incredible. It has so many amazing stories. Truth is, some of you are like, well, I'm a Louse, I'm in church and I've never read the Bible. No, guess what? 84 out of 100 people in this room have never read the Bible from cover to cover. Individuals who've gone to church all their life have never read the Bible cover to cover. So guess what? You're in good company if you've never read the Bible, which is why I'm imploring you, read the Bible. It's amazing. So here, the people are there. They're thirsty, and they start complaining against Moses, give us some water. Here's the truth. I read that, and I go, how dare those Israelites. Don't they know that God just delivered? I mean, come on, people. And then God smacks me like a V8. And he says, Terry, how many times have I delivered for you? And how many times at night? How many times in the morning drive? How many times do you all of a sudden begin to doubt my power in your life? How many times have you gotten in the car on Monday because I just showed up for you and you say, God, you're amazing. God, you're awesome. It was an incredible weekend. Everything was wonderful. Way to go, God. And then something happens. And then all of a sudden, on Wednesday or Thursday, I'm driving and go, the world stinks awful. Everything's falling apart. It's terrible. God, don't you even know I'm here? I mean, God, are you paying attention? I mean, hello. And Moses is listening to all of this. And Moses is a pretty incredible leader. In fact, the truth is, I believe all of us from this message, there's one silver lining. And the truth is, is that we all need to remember that God expects every Christian to lead. God expects every Christian whether you're a strong Christian, whether you're a weak Christian, he expects us to be leaders. Now, let me tell you something. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. Leadership has everything to do with strength of character based upon truth. And what God demands of every Christian is to stand by the truth. And so here's Moses. He's a strong leader. Moses has done everything right. And I'm sure Moses is going to be patient. Moses is going to stand tall. Moses is not going to sit there and lose his mind at this moment. So let's see what Moses says to all the people grumbling about the water. Take a look. Quiet! Moses replies. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? Moses is about had it. And he's looking at people that, they got food. Yay, God. They don't have water. Boo, God. And Moses is sitting there saying, why are you testing God? But tormented. Next slide. But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Why did you bring me out of the beatings? I enjoyed the beatings. Why did you bring me out of this misery? We like the misery. It's better than being here and thirsty. And I'm sure Moses is going to be patient. And so watch what Moses says. Moses cried out, what should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. Here's the truth. Moses is with the Israelites. They just get done having manna from heaven. And now they're thirsty. And Moses delivered them from Egypt by God's hand. And they're complaining once again. They're grumblers. We're grumblers. Many of us have grumbled and celebrated, grumbled and celebrated, grumbled and celebrated. And what you're going to see right now is what God has to say to you and I. Because if you are a leader, if you are a Christian, if you are saying, God, I shouldn't grumble, I shouldn't go, yay, God, boo, God, yay, God, boo, God, I shouldn't go on that roller coaster, that shouldn't be my character, that shouldn't be what I should do, then he is going to have a message for Moses. And he is going to have a plan for Moses to be able to withstand the roller coaster and to begin to trust God. And so watch very closely, because I read this for the umpteenth time, and I caught something I never saw before from it, because God has a plan for Moses on what it means to be a strong leader, so you do not fall into that roller coaster pattern. Take a look at this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I want you to walk out in front of the people. I want you to take your staff, the one that you used when you struck the water of the Nile, And then I want you to call some of the elders of Israel to join you. Let's recap. Moses, stop staying there and complaining because you're complaining just like they are. I know you're tired of them, but guess what? You're grumbling. So Moses, instead of standing there and grumbling because you're not happy with where you're at, I want you to step one, I want you to go out in front of the people. Step two, I want you to take the staff, which represents me and my relationship with you, and I want you to remember that I'm with you. And then step three, which I never saw before, Moses, you cannot do it alone. And I want you to call brothers and sisters around you because I'm going to speak to them. There's a movie clip that I have which illustrates this beautifully. And it talks about leadership. The scene is from a movie called Braveheart. Many of you in here have seen it but it's not one of those scenes that we've seen all the time. It's from one of the scenes between William Wallace. Don't I I think I look a little like him and William Wallace and a Scottish heir to the throne. And William Wallace is gonna talk directly to him about what it means to be a strong leader. And it ties greatly into what God said to Moses on that mountain. Take a look at this. I respect what you said, but remember that these men have lands and castles, it's much to risk. And the common man that bleeds on the battlefield, does he risk less? No, but from top to bottom, this country has got no sense of itself. It's uh, nobles share allegiance with England. Its clans war with each other. Right, right. right. If you make enemies on both sides of the border, you'll end up dead. We all end up dead. It's just a question of how uh, and why. I'm not a coward. I want what you want. But we need the nobles. We need them? Aye. Nobles. <laughs> now tell me, what does that mean to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Now our people know you. Noble and common, they respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom, So would I. Leadership has nothing to do with titles, nothing to do with position. Leadership has everything to do with strength of character. And in that clip that you see, if you would just lead them, they would follow you. And God says to Moses, Moses, if you would just lead them they would follow you. So Moses, here are three things that you need to remember. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First, stop sitting there and grumbling. Take action. Moses, I want you to go in front of the people. In other words, Moses, I want you to move. How many of us, when we're driving our cars and we begin to grumble against God, we wait for God to show up and change something? And God says, stop your grumbling and move. Take action. Don't just sit there and wait. Move. The second thing he says is, I want you to remember Take the staff of God, which represents my relationship with you and my people. And I want you to remember that your strength does not come from your own power, your own character, your own personality. That you, your strength, all the blessings you receive, everything that you receive comes from my power. And so Moses, take action. Moses, remember, it's not about you, it's about me. And the last thing that I saw for the very first time is, Moses, you can't do this alone. Moses, you cannot stand there by yourself. You have got to call others for two reasons. Number one, you need to share with them and they need to see my power and they need to rally around you because you, by yourself, will fail. But with a group behind you, you can succeed. And secondly... There is going to be time, Moses, when you're going to be attacked. There's going to be a time when you're not going to be strong enough. And you need a group around you that are going to encourage you in those days and strengthen you in those days so that when the enemy is striking, you can withstand the enemy. So God continues to talk to Moses, and here's what he says. He says, Moses, I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. I want you to strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses ran out in front of the people, raised the staff. This is God's power. And with the staff representing God's power, with the elders standing right before him, he smacked the rock, and the water delivered to the people what they needed. Now, I'm sure like you and I, I would have sat there and said, yay, God, way to go, God. God's amazing. He's awesome. He's wonderful. Everything is great. But the truth of the matter is a lot of times in our life, that roller coaster hits. There's an enemy. And usually in times when everything is going great, an enemy will show up. And so here the people of God are celebrating water. Yay, we can drink. And then something happens. Take a look at this in verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will take action and stand at the top of the hill. hold, Hold the staff of God in my hands, and by the way, he's going to call others around him. Moses learned a lesson the enemy is attacking, God. I get it, I need to go out in front of the people, I need to remind them that it is by your power and not my power. And I'm going to bring others to come alongside of me during this. Now, if I was an Israelite and I was standing with Moses, I would have looked at Moses and said, Why did God lead us here once again? He gave us drink, and now we're being attacked. What is God's deal? Why does God all of a sudden show up and then the next minute something bad happens? I mean, God, really, I'm tired of this. I don't want to go through this again. I mean, if you're so wonderful, you should give me everything I want so I can be happy all the time. That's what you're for, isn't it, God? God. That's not what God's for. I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. Periods of triumph are often followed by times of trial. Periods of triumph are often followed by times of trial. If you've sat there and the reason why you have been hesitant about being a Christian because you say, well, I don't know about this because why do bad things happen to good people? Because you know what? If you're a Christian and you believe in God, then bad things shouldn't happen to you. That's not biblical. If you read the Bible, that is not true of the Bible. Bad things happen to good people all throughout the Bible. God didn't come out and say, hey, I promise you, if you believe in me, then on this earth... Everything good will happen to you. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. You can go on Facebook and read whatever you want on Facebook. There's a whole bunch of misinformation out there. That's not in the Bible. In fact, what's in the Bible, it says this. If you stand for Christ, you will face greater persecution. I know some of you are like, well, I ain't going to follow Christ then. No. The amazing thing about Christ is, though, is he promises to stand with you. And so while after times of triumph, there'll be times of trial, here's what trials do for your character. Remember we said, what is leadership? Trials do for your character. Trials do this. Trials give us an opportunity to perfect our trust. When all of a sudden you come off the mountain and there's a trial in front of you, it's how you withstand the trials that develop your character and your trust and your perseverance in God. That's what makes you strong as a leader. And so here's Moses on top of the mountain. He sends Joshua and the army out front, and here's what happens. Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Pause. You'll find this quite interesting because if I was in the Israel, I'll just be honest, if I was there, I'd be freaked out. I'm just going to be honest, call it what it is, I'd be freaked out because it's not just because there was an army attacking, but you need to understand who Amalek was all throughout the Bible, you have Philistines, you have Moab, you have all different kinds of enemies of Israel. What you might not know is the arch enemy, the nemesis of the Israelites were the Amalekites. Amalek. So when you take a look and you see King Amalek is attacking, it's not just any army that's attacking. It is the extreme enemy of God's people. In fact, What you might not know is this. It was the first time since God told Moses to pen the Ten Commandments. It was the first time in biblical history where God told Moses, this is so important, Moses, I want you to write this down. You are to completely destroy the Amalekites. Do you want to know why? It's because later on in biblical history, because I know a lot of you haven't read this, later on in biblical history... There is a man by the name of Saul, and Saul is anointed by God to be king. And Saul lost his anointing because why? He didn't wipe out all the Amalekites. And the reason why it was important for him to do this was because later on there would be a woman by the name of Esther. And she would have to stand in front of a king because her people, the Israelites, would be facing destruction all at the hands of who? The Amalekites, the descendants of Amalek. And so here, God says to Moses, you have to wipe out. This is the arch enemy. They are anti-me. They don't want anything to do with me. Their kids, their children, the moms and dads, they all hate me, despise me, and they're going to turn you and the generations and destroy you later unless you handle this issue. So Moses stands, and if I was in Israel, I'd be freaked out saying, oh, my gosh, it's the enemy. Here's the truth. There is an enemy worse than Amalek every day that is seeking to destroy you, your family, and your future, and you don't even realize it. I don't talk about it often enough. There is a spiritual enemy who is the arch enemy of Christ and the way that he gets at Christ because he can't defeat Christ because Christ already has got the victory, but guess what he can do? He can go after you and your family. And so every single day, he is out after you. And Moses is giving us the example as leaders on how we are to fend off the enemy. Watch what Moses does, and it's a lesson for you and I. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. In other words, watch this. As long as Moses held the staff in the air, which represented his relationship with God, which represented the strength of of God, as long as his arms were in the air and his relationship was strong, then the enemy was being defeated. The minute that he dropped his arms, representing that God's power was weakening, representing that the relationship was not as strong, that the enemy gained the advantage. In your life and in mine, when your relationship with God, when your arms drop and your relationship with God is not as strong as where it needs to be, the enemy will gain the upper hand you want to know why bad things happen, first thing you have to ask yourself is, where is my relationship with God? And here's the thing. Moses, as strong as he was, as great of a leader as he was, he could not hold the staff. But look what happens. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he can no longer hold them up so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until... Sunset. The elders came alongside of Moses. The elders came behind him and held his arms up to keep his arms up to strengthen him. You and I, every single day, need that individual that's going to come and ask you the tough questions. That's going to come and say, Terry, you shouldn't do that. Terry, there's danger coming your way. Terry, if you make that decision, I'm fearful for your future. You and I need an individual in our life that's going to come alongside and hold our arms up. Terry, are you praying? Terry, are you going to church? Terry, do you have a group that you're connected with? These are all important because he knows, I know that there are going to be times of trial when your arms are going to drop and the enemy is ready to attack. So Aaron and her hold Moses' arms up and as a result, next slide, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. You having a tough time is your Thursday bleak are you driving around where life is no longer well for you? You want to get off the roller coaster? Then let me ask you a question. Where's your relationship with God? Are you able to stand up here? If I were to ask any of you, I want you to take my place. And if your relationship with God is between a 7 and a 10, 10 being perfect, 9, eight, seven, good. Then you're allowed to come up here and hold this staff right here. But if you are below a 7, then your arms are dropped. If that's you, the enemy is looking for any way that they can to strike. And here are five things that I want you to remember how you can strengthen that relationship. First thing I'd say is you need to start talking. You need to start talking to God. Now, some of you who are Christians, don't tune me out. I'm going to ask you a very vivid question. When was the last time you talked to God? And I'm not talking about breakfast this morning. When was the last time you had an honest conversation with God? And say, God, I want to talk to you about something because something happened today, or you know what, I'm worried about this. God, I want to actually spend time with you. The truth is, men in this room are really bad at this. I'm not saying all men, and I'm not saying all women are great at it. But men, we don't like this for some reason. And so, men, when was the last time you started talking to God? If you can't answer that question, then pay really close attention. Here are five things you need to do. Number one, stop talking. Now, wait a minute, Terry. This is why I don't go to church. You just stood up there and said, start talking, and now you're telling me to stop talking. Which is it? It's both. First thing that you do in your prayer life when you talk to God is you listen. Prayer has nothing to do with talking at God. Prayer has everything to do with open communication and dialogue between you and an incredible God. And so the first thing that you need to do is stop talking. If we sat here for one whole minute of silence, most of you would get really uncomfortable. But sometimes you need to just set a timer and say, you know what, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to think. I'm just going to sit and be quiet before God because I need to talk to him. I need the strength of God. So I'm not going to talk to him. Number two, talk about God. Talk about who he is. Do you want to know why I say talk about God? Pay really close attention. Because if the Israelites when they got to the mountain and there was no water if somebody would have somebody would have, somebody would, have somebody would have stood up and said this, this tribe, somebody, somebody would have, have stopped the God the God who just a little bit ago made it rain manna that God Wait 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 and even further we're talking about the God who split the waters that we walked through and we're complaining because we don't have water we have an incredible God the lesson for you and I is, is in our prayer life, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what God's done for us in the past. That encourages our heart right off the bat. Next, talk about others. Talk about your spouse. And I'm not, don't, I don't mean talk about them. In an encouraging way, talk about them. Talk to God about them. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for an incredible spouse. God, right now, you might even be honest. God, right now, I don't feel like they're an incredible spouse. Right now, I don't like them very much. I know I love them, but I don't like them. And God, I need help because I don't want to act the way that I'm acting around my spouse because I just don't like them right now. I want to be an encourager. I want to support. I want things to get better. So God, I just pray for them and I pray that you'd open their hearts and I pray you'd open a door for me. So talk about friends, talk about others. And then guess what? Talk about you. But talk about your needs, not your wants. You ever try and talk to God about your needs? It's really easy to talk about your wants. For single adults in this room, it's really easy to say, God, that one right there, yep, I want that amazing woman right there, God. If you could just wrap her up in a boat, I'll take her. She'd be amazing. But is that what you need? Sometimes, single adults, the best thing you could do is say, God, you know what? Really, really, really fancier, but here's the truth. God, your relationship with me, your strength and your character and your relationship with me is far more important than any woman in my life. And so God, the first thing I tell you is, is I'm good with you. And Lord, whatever it be, let your will be done in my life. You know my desires, but you know what, God? I love you, and I don't want to sacrifice my relationship with you. You want to see God open doors up for you? If you can pray those kind of prayers... Oh, God can open up some incredible doors for you. Finally, enlist others to talk about you. Moses needed Aaron and her to hold his arms up. You and I need individuals that are gonna come alongside and say, God, I pray for Terry. God, I pray this week he has a rough week. I pray, God, that you would encourage him, embolden him. God, I pray for strength, encouragement. You need someone praying for you during the week because Moses, as much as he wanted to hold that staff high, he couldn't he needed others and God allowed that to happen to show you and I that an enemy is going to attack you and by yourself you are not perfect you need someone to come alongside to encourage your heart. Last thing I'll say is notice on this list I didn't put wants but here's the great thing about God, once you get through that list if you write that down and you begin to pray those types of prayers God still wants to hear you wants. And at the end, you can say, you know what, God, you've heard my heart. And the truth is today, God, here are some desires that I have. God wants to know the desires of your heart if they're in the right place. And if you pray and mean it in your heart this way, he loves to bless his kids with the desires of their heart according to his perfect will. I close by saying this. Today, would you be able to stand and hold this staff? Today, would you be able to say, God, I'm a leader? Because leader is not title. Leader is not position. Leader is strength of character and my trust in you. I pray that today you'd be able to say, I can lead. So the question for you is, will you take the staff of God? And will you begin to lead and take action so that when the enemy comes, you can withstand? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, this drama. Oh, I can't even imagine, Lord, being there. I probably would have been one of the grumblers. But God, I thank you for the lessons that you teach us through scripture. I thank you, Father, that you want us to lead. You want us to take action. You want us to develop a strength of character and purpose with you so that you can fight our battles. I pray for the family in this room that feels as if they're under attack. God, I pray tonight they would begin taking steps to lead. Father, whatever you say or speak to us, I pray that we'd be faithful to walk out these doors and to take a step, to not sit back and expect things to change, but to take action from you. We bless you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.